Our second scripture lesson this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, and we commonly call this the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. Let us listen for God's word. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we hear your word, and sometimes your word becomes so familiar to us, we wonder what new you have yet to reveal. You are a God who creates, and you create us anew with every reading of your word. And so, we are here, and we await a new word from your ancient scripture. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So, in preparation for this sermon, I need to teach you all how to perform a marriage ceremony. Are you ready? The basic elements of the marriage ceremony. When two people come and they have decided to enter the covenant of marriage, a gathering is called to witness a covenant ceremony. Now, the first thing that happens in that covenant ceremony is a declaration of why people are there. Dearly beloved, we have gathered here in the presence of God to witness the marriage of... And then we ask the couple to declare their intentions. Do you take her? Do you take him? Is it your desire to enter this covenant? And then there are the terms of the relationship. For richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to have and to hold, till death do us part. And then there is the blessing of the rings. Bless, O oh Lord, these rings, that they may be signs 
of the covenant that they have made this day. Now, covenants are a little different from promises. A covenant is a mutually binding commitment. It is not legalistic as a contract, but it is legally binding. There's risk involved. We break covenants. Some covenants should be broken. There's trust involved. A covenant, a declaration of intent, principles for the covenantal relationship, and a sign of the covenant. We have been hearing all week, and unless you reside on the moon, I am not sure how you could not have heard that 85 richest people in the world have as much wealth as half of humankind. 85 people. And three and a half billion people. And unless you live on the moon, you might have heard that 95% of the financial growth since 2009 in our nation has all gone to the richest 1%. And the lowest 90% have gotten poorer. Half of all children in our U.S. public schools are poor. As a nation, we are becoming increasingly divided, economically, socially. We have vastly different opportunities. We are politically divided in such a way that we find it less people are less and less willingness to work together for solutions. And even as we listen to our national leaders, we also know that the mega corporations, the multinationals, hold as much or more power and wealth than our nations, more than many of our nations. As the head spins, the rich continue to get richer and the poor poorer, and it is easy to believe that the growing inequity is simply inevitable. But God says no. And God calls us into a different set of rules. A covenant. There was a time when God became very discouraged and angry about what God had made in creation. And God came and flooded the earth and destroyed all living things upon the face of the earth. And when it was over, God was sad and didn't ever want to do that again. And God declared that intention, the covenant of Noah with every living creature and the terms of the covenant, I will never again destroy creation. And the sign of that covenant, what is it? The rainbow. A time came 
when God decided to focus in on one particular family, Abraham. And God called Abraham to come and be a part of a covenant, a covenant relationship with God. And God said, I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will bless you, and I will bless your family so that your family is a blessing to the entire world. And the sign of that covenant we will not talk about. Because those of you who know what it is, you'll tell the others after worship. At least some of you are laughing. That's good. There came a time when the children of Abraham came under slavery where the wealth was concentrated in the hands of one pharaoh. All the wealth were concentrated in the hands of pharaoh and the rest of the Hebrew people were enslaved under hard labor. And last week you may have heard about God's economic policy that God put in the Ten Commandments. You shall have, you shall honor the Lord your God. The declaration of the covenant is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And the terms of the covenant relationship, the Ten Commandments, and the key economic stipulation in those Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember that there is one day in which you do not work. You do not produce. You do not participate in the economy. No one. You stop and rest. Everyone. Male, female, slave, free, animals, the land, the resident alien in the land, all are called to stop. On the Sabbath, everyone is equal. No one is a slave. And every seven years, you will cancel all debt. And every 50 years, all slaves will be freed. And any land that has been sold or been taken as debt will be returned. This is God's economic policy to prevent long-term poverty. God put in place measures to ensure that all wealth and power would not be concentrated in the hands of the few at the expense of the many. And God had this written in stone and put in the Ark of the Covenant that reminder that the people carried them with them everywhere. A declaration, I brought you out of slavery. Commitment to the Ten Commandments. The sign, the Ark of the Covenant. Throughout the ages, the people kept forgetting the covenant and breaking the covenant. And the prophets came and said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. 
Do not oppress your workers. Share with the poor. Protect the needy. Remember my economic policies. A time came when everyone was hungry and everyone was in debt and everyone was poor. This is Jesus' time. At this point in history, as Rome occupies Judea, Galilee, most of the peasants have lost their land to tenant land owners. Herod now controls the wealth and the power, and Herod loves to build palaces. People, the peasants, would pay half of their produce to the landowner. And then they had to pay the tithe, the 10% of their produce for the temple. And then there were tithes and taxes for the priests. And then there was the tax for Rome to pay the soldiers that had the weapons that kept the power structure in place. And for anyone who rebelled against the power structure, they crucified and left by the side of the road for everyone to see. And people had to pay the taxes that made that happen. And God said, No. If you were there on the side of a mountain that day you would have remembered how Moses went up to the mountain and how God declared, I am the God who brought you out of slavery. And when Jesus sat down, Jesus, you would have recognized a declaration. Blessed are the destitute and the desperate and the despondent because now comes the rule of God. And blessed are you who are crying because you've lost your children to disease. You will laugh. You will know joy. And blessed are those who do not covet the power to gain control over somebody else's goods. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for justice. That is righteousness. It is justice. And blessed are the pure in heart who are not tainted by greed. And blessed are those who seek peace, who refuse to fall to the fear that puts people against each other, competing with one another for resources. And blessed are those who have the courage to take risks for the sake of a covenant community. Jesus did not come to overthrow Rome. Jesus did not come to be a rebel who went into the temple and burned the tax records, which some did. Jesus came to create a covenant community, covenant communities where Jesus went and he taught. After he made the declaration, he taught 
you shall not kill. And not only shall you not kill, you shall not be angry. And not only shall you not commit adultery, you shall not look at someone in lust. And you do not store up your treasures in heaven. You are to have mutual sharing and cooperation and the cancellation of debts. And as Jesus formed these little covenant communities, these pockets of resistance and a different way of life, of equality and sharing and cooperation and mutual commitment of trust and risk, Jesus gave each covenant community a sign. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, thy rule come. Thy will for justice and equality be done on earth as you envision it, O God. Give everyone their daily bread and cancel all debts. This is what Jesus had the people pray over and over and over again. That in their community, this is how they would live together. Is it any wonder that Jesus was killed? My friends, we are a covenant community. When we bring our children or we come for baptism... We are asked to make a declaration. Do you desire to be baptized? Do you desire to be a part of this community of faith? And we put forth the terms of the relationship. Will you study the word of God? Will you share bread Will you teach your child the truths and duties and the ways of Jesus Christ and raise your child in the love and justice of Jesus Christ? And we put a sign on our children of baptism, of water. We are a covenant community. We are called to those ways of being that Jesus, that God has called God's people to obey, enact, live. Sharing, debt cancellation, the basics of poverty prevention, that wealth is not concentrated in the hands of the few, that power is not concentrated in the hands of the few, at the expense of the many. Some in this room may have the power to change multinational corporation and business policy to correct that. We all have our own thoughts about how the government should act to correct that. We do not all have to agree because we are a covenant community and we live together in trust and risk what we are called to be together is 
a community that lives by the commitments of sharing, of mercy. of helping one another, of reaching out to level the playing field, even if it means a birthday cake, or helping someone get a job, or going over to Shikoho as our people are in Shikoho, Kenya right now, working on the clinic to give medical care so that people can have daily bread and a malaria shot. We are a covenant community. And as we think about all of the other com commitments that we have, the mortgage, the rent, the credit card bills, our covenant community here is perhaps the most important to be that pocket of resistance that lives in a different way and yes calls for change it is risky to make a covenant God takes many risks by making covenants with us one has to wonder why God continues to keep making covenants when we keep breaking them. But still, God comes with trust anew and encouragement. And for as many times as we break God's covenants, God's covenants stand. God is faithful. The rainbow still shines. The water is still poured. The Ten Commandments still give meaning. We still pray. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Amen.